Welcome to another episode of Listen Loudly. My name is Jocelyn Thompson Rule, and today's guest, who Candice Brathwaite, author, podcast host of Closet Confessions, presenter, all around baddie, is on the show today. I knew when I was going to record this episode, I was just going to sit there with notes like it feels like I'm going to school in life lessons. So I hope you really, really enjoy it. In fact, one of in one of her books, um, Sister, Sister, she says things I've learned. She It's basically a, a series of um, lectures, I guess, or essays on things I've learned the hard way so you don't have to. She is a natural teacher. Her view of life is phenomenal so i really hope you enjoy the episode i know you're going to enjoy the episode so here we are everybody just to say and i can't even look at her <laughs> candy sprathway is on my podcast <laughs> why in the world <laughs> i welcome my love no, thank you for having me. I'm so, so happy to be here. I'm so happy to be, because I, I typically only see you on my screen. So this is really, really great. Yes, amazing. And I, and I tell all of my guests this because I wrote my dream guest list and everybody on it said yes. And I'm just like, <laughs> sorry, are you sure? <laughs> um, so first of all, thank you so much for being on here. Do you know what I feel like? I feel like sitting down here, like I feel like I'm in school, I'm sitting in class and I'm just going to learn everything <laughs> because you are the most natural teacher. Aww. It's amazing. Amazing, Thank amazing, you. amazing. So author, podcaster of Closet Confessions, presenter, all round <laughs> baddie, manifester, style queen. <laughs> And I'm just, guys, today's not the day. I'm in a simple black t-shirt today, but usually, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What an intro. Thank you. Thank you. No, my pleasure. So I knew you first from your first book, I Am Not Your Baby Mother, which is phenomenal. Everybody, do I have it? I've got all my books on my shelf, but if I move out of this space now, I'm going to ruin my podcast. Yeah, don't risk it. Don't risk it. And then I followed you on Instagram and I I remember Mm. just being like, listen, I feel about fashion and makeup the way many people feel about exercise, (laughs) right? (laughs) If I have friends come around here and try and fix up my wardrobe, I hate it from start to finish, (laughs) but I like the end result. Mm. I Mm. like the end result. Anyway, so I used to sit and watch you on Instagram, just pulling out. Oh, let me just grab this. Oh, let me just. Oh, no, actually, this is better. I'm like, I that is better. But I don't know how you put that in your brain. Like, I just can't. It's not in me. And I understand that these things are learned and you can get better. But anyway, it's amazing to watch. Now. Thank you. Rewind, rewind. So you started out, if I'm right, as a receptionist and a marketing assistant. Is that correct? Yeah. So my first grown-up job, I actually won a competition. A large publishing house um, had a competition to win four marketing places. So four marketing interns, essentially. And why I gravitated towards this competition is because you did not need a degree to apply. I didn't go to university, you see. And so when I saw that, I was like, okay, I think I'd be really good at this. Bearing in mind, my firstborn was a year and a half. I was tired of being a stay-at-home mum, and I wanted to try and get like back into the workforce in a serious way. So I applied, 3,000 people applied. I got down to the final 20 and the day I arrived, I was the only black person in the room. So I'm not going to lie to you. At that point, I just stopped trying. I was like, there is no way. (laughs) There is no way one of those seats. Exactly. I'm like, sorry, guys. So yeah, spent almost two years as a marketing assistant in this publishing house. And a trend seemed to be developing where I noticed that all our ad spend was being pulled away from billboards and buses and trains and being given to Google and bloggers. I was spending the majority of my day phoning these bloggers up saying, how much would you charge to profile this title on your blog? And when they told me the price, I like 
audibly gagged, I was like, okay, so I'm in the wrong job. Got it. (laughs) Yeah, what am I doing here? What am I doing? But how do I build an audience that brands will then define as profitable? Like those cogs started to turn in my head whilst also starting to admit to myself that I didn't want to be on this side of publishing. I wanted to be the one writing the books. So those two things kind of happened at the same time. And being the true Pisces that I am, one day I just quit. I just turned up and like at lunchtime, I was like, I don't like this anymore. And I think I was only meant to be here to scratch away and and get to another point. So thank you for your service, but I've got to go. Now, in retrospect, that was crazy. Like I was so poor, Jocelyn, like I was so poor. And so Bode, he was my partner at the time. He's now my husband. I don't think people understand. He didn't talk to me for like three years because he was like, you've left a job that people dream of. There is a scrummage to work in the publishing industry. It can feel like you're pushing against iron gates, especially if you're black working class and you don't have these degrees or nepotism or that network. And he literally felt like I was pissing on this huge thing. And I was like, I know this sounds crazy. I'm going to need you to trust me. I'm going to need you to trust me. I can see how the market is shifting and where where money's going and where the attention is going. And if I can carve out an authentic audience, this will be one of the greatest moves I've ever made. Admittedly, it took five years. (laughs) Things things take time. It takes time. But I think everyone that looks at the scope of my career now is like, yeah, she just went with her gut on that and it's paid off tremendously. Mm. And also interesting, like Bode's response, which is the response often of many, many people, is this idea of you're in this place that people would love to be. So therefore, you should stay there because everybody else would love to be there, irrespective of whether you wanted to still be there or not. And I feel like so many people would listen to that and go, yeah, do you know what? You're right. I should stay here. And then the growth stops. But you believed so deeply from what you were seeing with your own eyes and with the budget of the company that you're working for, that this was where the future was. And yes, it did take five years. So two things in our internet space now, Sometimes it seems like things happen really, really quickly. But to establish something really, really well, it still takes time. It takes so much time. And I often say to people now that I see my work as like the sunrise and the sunset. Every day that sun's coming up. It could be a cloudy day. It could be pissing down. The sun's always going to come up and it's always going to set. What I am not in the business of is being a shooting star. And in my industry, I see so many shooting stars. They go up so quickly and they burn out in just the same amount of time. Like the Candice Brathwaite brand is dependable. Everyone knows the kind of wisdom and teachings you're going to get. You know how the books are going to help stabilize your life. This doesn't necessarily mean that I'm going to like go up really quickly or be super viral in in a matter of six months. It does mean though that in 20 years time, people are still going to be rocking with the Candy's Brathwaite brand, which is something, especially in the age of the internet, I'm constantly trying to promote because I think so many people have an idea, whether it be a career pivot, brand business, or a way they want to grow their family. And I'm like, do not get burdened down with this idea that these are your KPIs that need to be ticked off in this time frame, or this is how you're supposed to blow. It's like, how do I create the infrastructure that supports the sunrise and the sunset? Mm. And that's so true because there are so many damn shooting stars. <laughs> oh my girl, girl, I don't want to be a shady boots, but goddamn. <laughs> so many. And it reminds me of the, I think it's a Wesley, I want to say it's a Wesley Snipes quote of don't let the internet rush you because you Ah. can look around and be like, oh, but, oh, but hang on, hang on. You've got to be so steadfast in your 
I know what I'm doing. I know the pace at which I'm going. And it's a completely different path and it's a harder path, but then no one can touch you then. Like I continue to be grateful that I started my career to, I want to say it's 20, 21 years this year that I'm in fitness and there was no internet then. I was in the gym. I had some incredible mentors around me, just happened to be, I felt very lucky for that. And I was able to just get on with my craft and do my learning. And there was no comparison. There was no, it, I was just there doing the work. And that just doesn't exist now, certainly for people in fitness. And that is something that I'm going to have forever. And I advise people, I think you should do this, 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 and this. But they're often like, oh, but I want that over there. And I'm like, babes, in your words, shooting star, we don't know how long they're going to be here for. This is it. And it's so hard in this day and age to basically just mind your business and trust your own process and trust your own timing. And one thing that Bode is constantly talking about in the last six months, he was like, be in the business of making yourself undeniable. And that really struck a chord with me because in the early days of my career, I think I was in the business of being likable, of being validated, of seeking attention. And when you start to pivot your mind towards being undeniable, so to be undeniable, right, it means to be that girl, irrespective of people like you, liking you. I want it to be someone could say, you know what, I really don't like Candice Brathwaite, but she is undeniably an incredible writer. Oh, there's something about her I don't like, but she's undeniably dot, dot, dot. To throw yourself into the column of being undeniable is so powerful because there's so many people, we're not going to get along with everyone. There's so many people who I don't take to for one reason or another. But when you look at their back catalogue, you just have to hold your hands up and be like, okay. Do you know what I mean? Undeniable. Yeah. So with the build, with it, with it taking you five years, what did that look like? And were there any moments of doubt along the way? (laughs) 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 Woo! Oh my gosh. I think I'm only now, and this will be shocking to some people, I'm only now coming out of my season of doubt. So that has taken years to work through. And it looked like a lot of trial and error. And for me personally, there was a lot of cosplaying. I thought I had to be more like these middle-class white women in order to be a success or be like this person or speak this way. Like I didn't start publicly speaking Patois until like two years ago. And like a huge part of my black demographic were like, I had no idea you were Jamaican. And that just blew my mind. I was like, God damn. Like To some degree, I've been doing this really well, but also how sad that I thought I had to tuck that part of myself away in order to be perceived as a success. I will say there's perhaps two, but one that really stands out in my mind. I had such a public moment of reckoning where a woman who used to be quite a big mummy blogger at the time got uncovered to be a massive internet troll. And it came to light that she was going on forums and I was being trolled the most and in a racist manner. It was a huge public story to the point that my childminder, who didn't know anything about my job, was like sending me a copy of her newspaper and was like, oh, my God. Like, wow. Yeah. yeah, And (laughs) so I knew about this uncovering. I didn't know any more detail than that. I didn't know that it was. I didn't know that you were a part of this whole. Wow. Okay. Yes. Yes. Like my name was at the center of this storm, so to speak. And I remember spending maybe about three weeks just flat out crying and also being rightfully angry, but having to deal with the fact that because I'm a dark skinned black woman, I wasn't given the space to be publicly angry. It was very much like you have to allow this shit to happen to you. You don't get to defend yourself in this moment. And that for me was, I think everyone who's followed my career after that, there was a huge shift 
And I was like, guess what? If I'm going to play this game, we play by my rules and my rules alone. And I'm no longer going to cosplay and pander to what I believe to be the thing I need to be in order to be a success. And so as painful and as public as that situation was, hands down, one of the best things to ever happen to me, because it was like being given the keys to the city or like being unshackled. I was like, okay, how can I make this work in my favor? Okay, you now have to take the liberty of just showing up as authentically as you can. I'm still like flummoxed that that was, I I just remember the detail of it, but I I guess at the time I wasn't really like, I suppose I I didn't ever really vibe with the mummy blogger type thing. It was never really me. Like, so I was just kind of like, I just heard about this girl that was doing whatever. I was like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) But yes, also that part where you're not given the space to defend yourself Mm. because there's already judgment. Mm all of that, that you don't even want to dip your toe into. Let me not make this any worse than this already is because I know how this story ends, right? I know how this story ends and I've seen it play out for women that look like me time and time and time again. And so to some degree, I'm very, I'm very prescriptive with this piece of advice, but I once heard the quote, silence can never be misquoted. And it's such an anchor for me. It's like my go-to. And I've watched people grow insane by my level of silence. Like I've watched them just combust because they're like, she's saying nothing. There's no reaction. There's no attention being given to me. What can I do in this moment? And for me, that's the ultimate control. It's like, we can only wonder what Candice Brathwaite is thinking or doing or feeling. And sometimes that's the safest way to play it. And so when I see a lot of discourse online about anyone who has chosen not to say something, I always get a little bit angry because I'm like, that is the best line of defense. Because especially being a woman of color, if I breathe wrong, you're going to take that out of context. You're going to find a way to spin that. And so sometimes I like the mystery of everyone just being like, well, we'll never know. Yeah. We'll never know. Yeah. Even if you think about like Angela Bassett's facial expression blew up. <gasps> you're like, the woman can't even uh, sit in her chair. You, you can't, you like, cannot, your face she cannot just perform. Like- <laughs> if you're going to create a career that gives you any visibility publicly and you're a woman of colour you're going to have to train your ways in which your white counterparts don't. I always have to keep it real. There's going to have to be more bolts in your vertebrae than others because you are going to be pushed and rocked in ways that other people won't or they won't understand. And you're going to have to find tools that allow you to ascend and get to the next level. It's annoying. It's a bit sad but um, I've had to learn to like fight in the boardroom instead of the playground. Yes, 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 yes. (laughs) And so do you feel like once you made that decision and you were like, okay, this is how it's, this is how it's going to fly. Cool. Mm. Was that a big shift for you then in terms of how quickly things happened? Like once you had the whole blogger, mummy blogger experience, once you leaned into how powerful silence was, was there a noticeable shift for you or did it just feel more settled or smooth? I think over time I grew to become way more comfortable. Also, what happened after that, right, was me having to work out if I could do this alone. And by alone, I mean not pretending to be someone else as a prop. I was like, this is going to be a true test to if this really is your purpose, because now there are no backup singers. There are no supporting actresses. You are pivoting your brand and you're being your most authentic self. And are you prepared for people not to like that? We're just going to have to give it a try. And so that I was a little bit hesitant to start coming out of my shell somewhat. But then I just understood that 
this is the way it's meant to be. And actually, I'd rather do this kind of combing out at this point in my career than 20 years down the line, have a moment of reckoning and be like, I wish I was more myself. At least if I'm going to go up in smoke, I'm going out as me, not as someone else. And I would say after that, it maybe took a year for me to really learn to walk again and feel stable enough to step out as myself because those kind of things just knock the wind out of yourselves. But also I get really annoyed with myself, right? Because I feel like the universe makes a really good habit of whispering to me until it's forced to shout. And there were many moments before that whole public fallout where the universe was like, it's time to pivot. I'm not liking this for you. The energy is off. And I'm like, no, I'm so comfortable here. We will not rock this boat. And universe just gets to a point with me where it's like, well, I will Titanic this shit then. Since yeah. you, <laughs> you're since not you hearing me. Since you don't want to willingly <laughs> dive into warm water. Okay, we will mash this down for you. <laughs> I'll sort it. <laughs> and well, so, and you're like, you okay, know, okay. And so now. I am learning and I love the title of your podcast. I'm learning to listen to myself loudly and heed the whispers because the hullabaloo of the universe having to drapes you by the neck and carry you out kicking and screaming. I never want to feel that again. I remember after that moment, I made like a deal with the universe. I was like, as long as you never humble me like that publicly again, I will follow everything you say. There's no need to to whoop me like that in the streets. We can deal with this in you can find my bedroom. An amicable <laughs> approach in quiet. No one has to know. No I'll one listen. has I'll to take know. notes. <laughs> like, I'll type up my notes if needs be. Honestly, let's just not do that again. Yeah, but yeah. I know there's going to be so many people listening who vibe with that. Like you had the intuition, you had the grace of a whisper and you kept shoving it aside. And so then the world had to go into tornado mode because you were not willing to feel that slight discomfort in the meantime, only slight. And so it's like, I have to always say to myself, Candice, don't disrespect yourself like this. The same way you don't like when the kids don't listen to you. How about you don't like when you don't listen to yourself? It's hard. It's a thing that you have to practice yes. again and again and again. And as you say, like sometimes you, you just, you just weren't quite used to that. Uh, not right now. I'm just going to, Oh, what? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I've got the message. <laughs> and I think that also in my experience, you have these lessons and sometimes the louder ones louder than you might like. And then it might be a new lesson or a different lesson and it creeps up on you sometimes in the same way where you're relearning each time oh I have to listen to myself in this way and one thing I'm finding right now for me personally in the last I would say six-ish months many of my lessons are coming via other people interactions situations where I am in my deepest distress and I'm realizing now three or four situations deep that actually it's less about that other person in the end and more about me just weeding out some things within myself and growing as a result of it. So that's, that's what the universe is throwing at me right now. Lessons via other people. And at each moment, sometimes it went too far in the sense that I was like, oh my God, this is a disaster. And other times I'm like, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Do not respond. Do not respond. Oh, okay. Yeah, actually that was a lesson. I didn't even need to interact with the other person. They were just there to bring it. So I'm like, okay, this is what we're doing this year. Fine. Got it. Cool. Don't love it. But here we are. So (laughs) (laughs) It's so true though. And when you, when you get into that space, it allows you to take things less personally as in okay my problem is with this person no your problem is with the lesson and the reflection of yourself and the things you have to work through you know and it allows you to step away from situations far more gracefully far more gracefully 
the most recent one for me, I'm just like, thank God. <laughs> I'm yeah. literally like, you know, that Homer Simpson gif where he's like backing into the bush. Homer Simpson's just like, go. <laughs> <laughs> That's where I am right now. I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) I need water. (laughs) Um, Save me from that experience that nearly happened. And so it's this continued lesson. And I know we always talk about you learn from your mistakes, you grow from your mistakes. Mm. There is no way around the idea that it feels rubbish at the time. You are never like... I love that that shit just happened to me. It always Ever. feels shitty. Yeah. It's never Ever. good. And but, so meanwhile, people are like, what do you mean learn from my mistakes? I feel rubbish right now. The rubbishness, the rubbish feeling doesn't go away. But what, and this is what I think we'll talk about in a bit, but that is what recommitting to exercise has also taught me. It's like, yeah, this doesn't feel great in the moment, but it's also absolutely unavoidable. It's unavoidable, okay? You don't get to that thing you want without going through this passageway. And it's the same with the mistake and the confronting yourself. And I'm like, the quicker you accept that, the quicker you can pass through it. So that is something that often is, so in fitness, we talk about training age. And so it's not your chronological age, but it is your the length of time at which you've been training the greater your training age, the more those moments impact you less. You're like, I I know what this feeling is. I know that it's just momentary. I know that I'm going to be finished on the other side. And that is such a, such a lesson. And I take such joy, particularly if I'm delivering a, a session for beginners to just be like, listen, all of these feelings, they're cool. They're not going to stay here. Get curious about them. See how you feel. And just to be really curious and just to be like, oh, let me see how this feels rather than waiting to get out of it or, or thinking that you failed or or whatever. Like it's it's all a deeper insight into yourself and how you handle things. And then the longer you do it, the more experience you have to then be like, ah, oh, I know this. I know what this is. It's cool. I'll carry on. Now, before we do move to the exercise piece, I want to just talk briefly about Sister, Sister, which was your second book. You wrote that things I've learned the hard way so you don't have to. First of all, incredible. Thank you for that. Why why was it so important for you to write that? So funnily enough, what people wouldn't know if you, you weren't in the team is Sister, Sister was the book idea that was pitched first. Years before I Am Not Your Baby Mother was even an idea, I was trying to shop around this manual for black women, especially women of colour. Now, lo and behold, this was in a pre-Black Squares 2020. And every publishing house was like, no, you know, we don't see a market for this book. Could you make the conversation more universal, a.k.a. more for white women? And I was like, no, because, you know, I grew up with manuals that didn't speak to me. And I just had to read them and just take away the things that I connected with. So no, not really. And the pitch for what would be Sister Sister got turned down no less than 10 times, I kid you not. So I Am Not Your Baby Mother comes out and no one could or would want to plan this, but I Am Not Your Baby Mother was also released the week George Floyd was murdered. That book ended up being put in the list of one of the top 10 books you must read to unlearn your racism. The rise of I'm Not Your Baby Mother always feels bittersweet to me because it was such an unfair and harsh way to enter the market. Like, oh, this is the go-to book. Also, incredible and equally sad, I'm Not Your Baby Mother was the first ever title to enter the British Library of a book about Black British motherhood written by a Black woman in 2020. And so... Once the hysteria of that book had settled, I was like, oh, I can do what I want now. (laughs) Like, okay, let me bring out the book that I always wanted to bring out. And so Sister Sister, till this day, like, I don't know why, but it seems to be like doing the rounds on TikTok and it's really found its place amongst Gen Z. I'm so proud of that body of work because the kind of essays in there, like, I could have only dreamed about 
reading an article or an essay about colorism from someone that looked like me or what black love felt like or what the idea of interracial love felt like that would have been just a dream and so sister sister yeah she's like she's an OG <laughs> wow okay I didn't know that she was pre I'm not your baby mother so let's let's talk about Petra <laughs> yeah <laughs> Can you tell everybody who Petra is, please? <laughs> Petra is my Peloton tread. She's my baby girl treadmill. <laughs> I don't even know how I came up with the name Petra. But yeah, me and Petra got into some things last year, boy. Whoa, whoa. Wow, wow, wow. And so did you get Petra at the start of 2023 or did you have her before and then you made a, com a commitment to her at the start of 2023? Funny story, Jocelyn. So I was supposed to do an activation with Peloton. They approached okay. me because I'd, I'd previously had the bike and they approached me and they were like, we see how much you love the bike. We'd love to work with you. And just as a token of our appreciation, here's a tread. Right. And you know Thanks. what? I took I took the tread just for vibes. Like, bruh, yeah. okay, cool, that's nice. I won't be using it. But to, <laughs> the idea of having a home gym was kind of cute to me. I was like, okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Give me that tread. Thank you. And every day I'd get on the bike and Petra would be looking at me like, you're really not gonna boost me up, huh? I was like, girl, no, just mind your business. It's <laughs> like you get to be here but don't expect me to be on you do you know what I mean just enjoy the vibe stop asking me questions my god <laughs> like, get out of my face <laughs> oh my and then right I got to the end of 2022 and there were multiple things happening for me I think the most important thing, and I think this is a great podcast to have this conversation on, I was desperately unhappy in my body. Like it was the lowest I had ever felt about my physical form. I think maybe in my entire adult life, I was like, yeah, I don't like living in this body as it currently is. And the reason why I want to make space for that is I think the parameters of the conversation around body positivity almost make it feel as though you can't express that. Someone's always around the corner with a muzzle of just love yourself more. Like, don't say that. Don't say, nah, gee, I didn't like living here. And so I knew that there was a connection that could be made in engaging with exercise. For context, 12 years ago, I ran London Marathon. I completed an ultra, multiple oh. 10Ks under my belt. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I used to All run right, with a crew Candice. called Run Them Crew. I used to run with Run Them Crew. Charlie Dark is still one of my most, my closest mentors and a dear friend. What a lot of people don't know about me is that I knew I had the roots to do it. Like I'd, I'd been here before. I'd been there before, so to speak. And so Petra's looking at me and I'm looking at her and I was like, you know what? Just to shut you up, let's just go for a walk in it because you're always here. Let's just walk. I don't even know where the decision to show up every day came from, but I do know the decision was rooted in the fact that I had to grapple with the reality that what I was lacking in my life was discipline. I was like, oh, okay. The bridge between you and everything you desire is your inability to show up consistently. That's a big thing to just wake up to, you know, because it wasn't just my body. It's career goals. It's how I would like my household to run. The bridge was, yeah, you just don't show up enough times, kid. You'll do it for five days, two weeks at a push. And then we're back to square one. And so it clicked for me that in order to etch out discipline in a way that's going to pay off in all areas of your life. And I know people are not going to like what I'm about to say. You have to pick a thing that you're not that great at and that you don't quite like. Because the reality was I was disciplined to eat in a share pack of Haribo to myself every day. 
<laughs> See you tomorrow. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? So, I know it's in there. Yeah. Like, I'm disciplined yeah. for some things. I'm disciplined for the things I enjoy, even though they might not be the best thing for me. Sure. Oh, we're going ice cream parlor tonight. I'm going to be disciplined and sharp every day. Yeah. Let me discipline every flavor. <laughs> exactly. You know, I got that. But true discipline can only be unveiled in the face of having to show up for something that you're not that good at you're not that good at this babe can you commit to taking a little bit of an ass whooping for maybe six months because you know I've only just after 300 plus days I've only just got to a point with Petra where I am craving her presence craving it like if a run is not scheduled in my workout plan, I'm like, oh, I don't like the fact it's not scheduled. Justin, that took one year. That took a year. Yes. Oh, I mean, so many things within that. For you to go, okay, if I'm going in on this, I'm going to go in on this with something that is hard for me to do. Because first of all, many, many of the either habit forming texts or whatever will tell us to go for the lowest hanging fruit. But Candice being Candice is like, "Mm -mm, no, we're going to do this properly. So this is etched in my brain (laughs) and go for the hard thing. My favorite thing about that is the projected time in which you gave yourself where you were like, right in six months time, because everybody wants everything yesterday. And that's not how it works. That's not how our bodies work. And so you chose this hard thing. You said, right, in six months time, where are we at? And now, as you say, 300 plus days ahead, it's not in your day. Or if it's not in your your training regime, it feels uncomfortable. Also, I completely agree. And body positivity is wonderful. It has opened up a conversation that's really important. But it's not as simple as looking in the mirror and saying, I love myself, because that's just not the case for so many people. And I think, yes, you do not have to conform to this ridiculous Eurocentric aesthetic that society has told us we should should look or exist like. But if there's something that you want to change about yourself, your lifestyle, your work, whatever it is, that's okay. That's okay to do that. And I had a conversation actually with a very close friend of mine. She's a personal trainer now. She went on a a very, very long journey. She was working very, very long hours. She had very much a, a party lifestyle and she ended up in hospital. I think a couple of times there was a point at which her family said to her, you need to turn things around because they were, they were frightened they might lose her effectively. And she was lucky enough to be able to go away, I think for a month to Thailand. So first of all, I understand everybody can't just drop and do that. But she was able to do that. She got back into walking. She got back into exercise. She got back into eating in a way that was good for how she felt. And she said to me, Jocelyn, I'm not sure if some of the body co- body positivity conversations that are around now, if they were around back then, whether I would have gone on the journey that I went on, because maybe I would have accepted, I have to love my, myself right now as I am and maybe not made any changes. So I think it's really interesting. Like I said, I think, I think, the, I think the conversation is a very important one, but I do think there is much nuance involved within it. And yeah, thank you for just being honest and open about that because I think it's important for people to know that. So Petra, we love Petra. You and Petra, <laughs> Petra and you. I feel like <laughs> I feel like you use Petra in a way that I love. I'm going to think back to that that carnival walk plus run, <laughs> and your left leg was cocked upon the tread, and I was like, I'm confident I didn't I didn't cue that, but I'm into it. <laughs> And I was just like, yes. And that's you. That is you making it Candice. Exercise, but make it Candice. Career, but make it Candice. I'm not in the business of A, not enjoying myself, or B, 
feeling like if I, it's only right if we do it this way. And so sometimes I show up to Petra or any kind of training session. And the first thing I remind myself is I'm not the professional here. I don't need to be Jocelyn. I don't need to be Marcel. I don't need to be my personal trainer, Dane. I need to show up as me and whatever vibe I need to curate to get through this to the best of my ability, that's what we're going to do. And I think there's something to be said for people to be able to see people interact with Peloton in a way that is unique to them. Because I think so much of the fitness industry, whether they know it or not, people just feel super duper isolated. Like so few of us who invest in these machines, of course, we we don't have a six pack yet or our fitness isn't where we need it to be. And so one of the reasons I also committed to sharing that journey so publicly is because I'm like, baby, I'm starting from the floor. Okay. So what I'm asking of myself at what felt like the lowest point for me. Yes, I'm going to extend that invitation to everyone watching this and be like, that's why I always say five, 10, 15, 30 minutes. Do you get what I'm saying? Whatever you have, please give it to yourself in that moment. And once you crack the discipline element, yeah, then let the fun enter the chat. Let the fun enter the chat. And then also within that, Learn your limitations. Like that same mentor, Charlie, he messaged me a couple of weeks ago and was like, I've seen your incredible progress. You know, I've got a mm. London marathon spot next year with your name on it. And I was like, whoa, boy. <laughs> you, you wait, you wait right there, my love. I didn't say all of that. Okay. Because now I'm in this, I also get to read the room and know when it's time to do that. And I could have got swept up on this wave of everyone congratulating me for that 52 year streak and showing up for myself and being like, yeah, I'm going to do it. Mar- I'm not ready yet. I love it. Exactly. And you're still you're still claiming who you are within that. And most importantly, as you say, not getting swept up and everyone go because it would be a moment, right? Oh, my gosh. Well, she spent a whole year on Petra and now she's doing it. But actually, everyone else would love that for you. But that's if the timing is not right, the timing's not right. Exactly. I'd hate that for me. And I said to him, listen, I've got such a busy year career wise. And because I've trained for marathons before, I know how much of your life you have to turn over to that act. At least 60 to 70 percent of your free time. If you're not out there running, you're thinking about your food intake. You're thinking about your rest. You're thinking about cross training. And I said the way my calendar structured this year I would not be able to give that much of myself. And so I feel like sometimes we need to hear that it's okay not to just run amok and take liberties with our bodies just because we feel emboldened by stepping it up a level. It's like, is that the right thing to do right now? I think we have to ask ourselves that question. And just because you can do it doesn't mean you you should do it, right? There's a time for everything. And the more you grow to continue to trust that intuition, you're like, cool, all in good time, not right now. I want to talk about New York. I want to talk about Candice in New York. I want to talk about (laughs) Candice in New York saying, I'm home. (laughs) And me every time looking at Instagram being like, has she made the move? Is she not here anymore? (laughs) Clutching at my chest. Has she gone? (laughs) can we talk about that please (laughs) yeah so guys guys for those that of you that don't know what a major life goal for me is to move to New York City and like this isn't just like when I think about it this this feeling didn't fall out of thin air my maternal grandmother is one of 15 children and most of those 15 children then went up to set they left the island of Barbados and they went to set up their lives in New York my maternal grandmother was the only one to come to the UK and so when I was born my maternal grandparents were actually kind of my primary carers my mum and dad split up really early and my mum went back to work and so I was predominantly raised by my grandfather who was a stay-at-home husband at that time which is super rare in the 80s but what this also meant is that every family holiday was with my grandparents and they always took me to visit family in New York so I've spent most of my summers 
in my younger years, like drenched by a fire hydrant in the summer, chasing an ice cream van down Flatbush Avenue. Like, so it's in the core of me. Yeah. To see that as like my dwelling place. And as I've gotten older, I've had to reckon with the fact that there is nowhere in the land that makes me more myself than New York City. It's just the place, it's like a baby in a manger. It, it's the place that, that makes me feel safe and rocks me to sleep. And so one of the big goals for myself and my family is in the next, I would say five years maximum, but we're looking at three, is to relocate to New York City. <laughs> right, 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 right. I love this. Let's talk about, with that in mind, with you speaking it into existence, with you adding the layers of just how at home you feel there. Let's talk about your your book that's coming out in September, Manifesto. Yeah. Talk me through that, my love. Yeah. So I'm a massive, massive fan of manifestation. I mean, who isn't? It's kind of everywhere at the moment. But as per usual, your girl has seen a gap in the market because what I have noticed in my manifesting training is that the idea of manifestation is always sold by the same type of person. It's generally white man, white woman who came from a somewhat stable background. And even if they weren't super duper rich, there was enough of a financial padding to make them feel safe. Now, have I been able to learn from them and and make the tools they share work for myself? Absolutely. But I've also recognized how so much of the manifestation conversation leaves out black people, people of color, disabled people, trans people, people who, for whatever reason, the universe or society, not the universe, society has made sure to make them feel like they're not that girl. So I often sit there and I'm like, of, of course, manifesting is easy for you, right? You turn on your TV, you constantly see reflections of yourself. You see, you see yourself being a CEO and running boardrooms. So there is just this easier link between who you are now and who you could be because you see it all the time. What does it mean to manifest if you were born in a body that puts you on the fringes of society? That is where the idea for Manifesto came from. Because I'm not going to lie, I have black women run me down in the streets and they're like, you know, your character arc or the way you've built your life is just like so unfathomable to me as a black woman because you you seemingly appear to be one of one. Like, okay, okay, but surely this can only happen for Candice, right? She got, she was born with some like lucky star. And I'm like, no, I just learned how to like trick the atmosphere. But I understand why you struggle to make that link because you only see a Candice or you only see a Oprah. You only see a Clara. We're so few and far between that you're like, oh no, that's their luck. That's their grace. Yes, it couldn't be me. It couldn't happen it to couldn't me. It couldn't be me. Whereas... Yeah. There are mediocre white men working for tech companies across the globe who are just like <laughs> doing great. They're like, <laughs> no, I do not have the qualifications, but they gave me the job. So, <laughs> what is it? There's some quote: "Have the confidence of a mediocre white man." Oh, what, do you know what I mean? I'm just like that mediocrity is in their blind spot because the world has said to them, "We've tailored this space for you." Your CV doesn't matter. We've tailored this space for you. So what Manifesto does is hopefully share some tools that everyone can learn from, but we're specifically going to dip in and out of the conversation of what it means to build your dream life when it often feels like it's not on the shelf for you to buy anyway. Yes. Yes. Amazing. For I, I love, 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 love that. And I know that when I originally asked you or initially asked you to be on the podcast, that was one of the things that really spoke to me because that was the same thing. When I was um, reached out to by Murky Books about writing a book on fitness, I was like, well, I'm not going to write a book on fitness. All of the good texts have already been written. But they were like, no, 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 no. We want you to talk to 
ableism we want you to talk to mm-hmm. access i was like oh okay yeah. yeah because all of the texts that are written do not speak to that and even down to the images in the book itself of you know some of the exercise and so on so it is it, it's so 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 important and as you say yes we can learn from all of these texts or you know lessons from these people but then how do you make it applicable to the person who lives within a system that doesn't see them or certainly gets them the work that they have to do to get to the start line is so much more than so many other people. And I kind of felt a little bit that way about fitness, you know, the fitness industry. I spent so many years trying to be maybe admired by my peers and getting to a certain level. And then I got to that level and I was like, oh, I don't love it here. You're not seeing no, it. Honestly, You're not seeing everyone. Light bulb moment, huge colossal bomb. And when that goes off in your brain, it's really scary because most of us, we put decades into this one idea. And then when we arrive, I'm yeah. like, oh. Yes, oh, this is it. <laughs> oh, this is the ghetto. Is that a white refrigerator? <laughs> oh, ghetto up in here. <laughs> It's so true. That's the hard part of that. But then the great thing comes in where you get to define success on your terms because you arrived at the space that everyone said was the thing. And now you realize the food is cold and they don't even meet your dietary requirements. But that also building to that moment now gives you the liberty and the space and the the CV to say, okay, how do I build this to suit me? What defines me as a success in a space that, yes, I fought like hell to get here, but it's not very welcoming. That part as well. Mm-hmm. Getting there and then being like, I made it. You're not happy for me to be here? No, and so frosty. So frosty. <laughs> so frosty. <laughs> but it's so true. And just um, one other thing I, I feel, and I'm always careful how I say this, But I think that a really limiting statement to make is, oh, it's okay for them, they have X. And on the one hand, yes, it's important to understand that somebody is where they are because of the environment in which they grew up, because of the privilege that they have, because of the system in which they live. But if we just make the statement, oh, it's okay for them, they have all of this, so that's why I'm not. X or I'm not there or I haven't arrived, that's not going to move you any further forward. You, your energy is looking at someone else, what they have, you're now taking steps backwards. So I will always say, do what you can with the resources that you have right now. And this is the thing. And so people, you know, you were saying like, you know, you check Insta and you're like, oh, has she moved yet? Girl, the kind of house I want, we're talking $5 million flat, right? Okay. And I, am I coming to tea? <laughs> and like, I, I, I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I got a few, I, I got a few gold chains, but I'm not there yet. <laughs> like, <laughs> your girl ain't there yet. But the reason why people see me go to New York so frequently, it's because energetically I'm registering my interests. I'm letting the universe know that as soon as these coins are aligned, make way. One of the things about manifesting is like, you have to put your hat in the ring. You can't stand on the sidelines and be like, oh, I was quite like that. And actually, I think I can't get it. So I'm just going to be a bitch about the people that actually try. And I'm just going to, no, I don't yet have $5 million free. I don't yet. But I think that the more I go there and I register my interest and I go and I have a damn good time and I bring those feelings back to my current situations, I've seen how that slowly but surely makes the things I need appear. And I just need people to know it is of no business for you to see the end of the road. We have no interest in the end of the road, okay? I'm going to take this a quarter of a mile at a time, just also without a doubt knowing my end point. It's like getting in your car and setting the GPS and then frantically worrying about every mile until you reach your destination. You know where the hell you're going. I know where the hell I'm going. And guess what? 
if I obsess about how I'm getting there, I might miss the route for a shortcut or a detour with a better view or a way to get there where I'm able to help someone else out. There might be a hitchhiker in this route who needs my help. And if I, you know, if I'm so closed off to the millions of ways the universe could agree to having me live in a place that, and here's the thing with our manifestations, right? I want to frame this right. Let's use jealousy. It is unequivocally impossible for you to be jealous about something you don't actually desire. It doesn't work like that. Okay. Whenever that green eyed monster pops up, it's because it's tied to a desire. There are some things I'm not jealous about. I don't know people who understand cars because I couldn't give a shit. Like, just make sure there's petrol in it and I'm fine, whatever. The things that make me go, oh, I wish I had a bit of that. It's tied to a desire. So that's the first thing I think everyone needs to understand. You don't necessarily need to fear jealousy as long as you're willing to read it correctly. Detach the feeling from the person you're looking at and sit with why you're jealous about that thing. It's because you secretly want it. Number two, you then have to work through whatever has made you feel in your life that you're not worthy of having that too, because that's not a them problem. That's a you problem. Okay. Things are going to come up when you do this work correctly. You're going to, maybe when you were five, you were told that people like that, they're greedy or they're spoilt, or maybe you were told to know your place. You know, there's going to be things that crop up where you're like, oh, okay, that's why I was told I can't have that. The next phase is then throwing your hat in the ring. So many people do not register their interest on their desires. And it drives me mad. Like, babe, I need to hear you say it. I need to hear you say it. The universe needs to hear you say that's who I want to be. That's where I want to be. And then all it's going to ask you to do every day is show up and take baby steps. Just, you know, just little steps. And as you do that, I find the universe just conspires to make it work. And so that's why I get a bit annoyed when people are like, well, Candice, when are you going to New York or how are you? Oh, don't ask me those Yeah, we're not worried about the how. No. Yeah, it's happening. <laughs> yeah, I've already made the decision. She's like, I'm already packed. I don't know. What the... <laughs> yeah, the date will be the date, whatever. I'm not, that's the not the concern. <laughs> yes, but it's so true. And that teetering on the edge instead of actually going, you know what? Stop thinking about the million steps. Just take a step, the next step, the next step. And done because so much energy is wasted in between that. And like also you saying about, you know, what you were told when you were, when you were younger about what you, what you can and you can't have. And one of the big, big things for me was there were always deep, deep consequences for success. So I still to this day have to remind myself it's okay to do well. It's okay. I'm telling you, adults used to say it to me. I was born in Dublin. So mum's Irish, dad's Jamaican. I was born in Dublin. We lived there till I was seven. I did Irish dancing randomly for 15 years. I did very well Irish dancing. I would win competitions. Mums would be there when my mum was moisturizing my legs because I had little ashy legs sometimes. So mum was taking care of me. Oh, she's massaging her legs to prep her for, she's just, you know, doing extra things. She was just putting a bit of grease on my leg. That was it, right? Or if I won a, won a competition, oh, I'm so surprised that you came this position. From, from grown women to my little self, you know, and just again and again and again and again, I would hear this or the university that I wanted to go to. Oh, it's very hard to get in there. Would you consider going? Why are you telling me that? Why? And guess what? Now I've done enough work and I'm in a really great space about manifesting. I get you're telling me that because you didn't throw your hat in the ring. Yeah. And so yes. it's really annoying to watch other people throw their hat in the ring. That People like to clip that as soon as possible. Oh, oh. I remember growing up, a common thing people used to say about me is, oh, she thinks she's too nice. She thinks she's too smart. And it really made me for years just go into myself because I'm like, oh my God, like, 
why and now now I'm out of that space physically out of that space like I left the community that raised me I was like oh you guys were just scared I get it you were scared that if I clocked the fullness of my power it's a wrap it's a wrap <laughs> and you know what it did end up being a wrap because I did I did clock it and I I've had to move myself into a physical space where I'm allowed to flourish but my heart breaks for the people who don't get that moment of reckoning and don't get to be free and I come across them time and time again where I'm like oh no whatever your dad said this is why we're here whatever your mum said this is why we're here you know yeah so so true I've got a little picture my mum bought it for me for my birthday but this is a little picture and I've had it forever on my phone. Right. So it's a little, little braids and little flowers in the braids. And when I made my Holy Communion when I was seven, there's a picture of me with my Nana and my granddad and I had my braids in, but that was little seven year old me who was getting told a lot of things and blah, blah, blah. So I remind my, this image of her now, same me, but little blooms in her hair of growth and and flourishing so she's my little reminder of that you know often you say what would you say to your younger self and I I love and hate that question because on the one hand I think well if I told her all of the things that I needed to tell her I'd, I'd be a different person now so I'm grateful that I am the person that I am now but I also think that whatever you need to tell your younger self is actually what you need to tell yourself now if that's the thing that still impacts you so she's she's my little reminder of growth but Final question. This has been, I mean, I want to do this every day. This podcast is called Listen Loudly. You have told us many, many times, I feel like you've, you know, where you've listened loudly to yourself. Is there a pivotal moment in which you listened loudly to yourself that has changed everything for you? Yeah, aside from the one where I quit the job in publishing, it would definitely be I contracted sepsis after the birth of my firstborn. I was constantly told by the midwives coming. I had an emergency C-section and day by day I was feeling worse, not better. And I was constantly told by the midwives coming to see me, oh, you're overthinking it. You're a new mum. Stay off the internet. Like, you know, you're Googling your symptoms too much. There's nothing. Oh, the reason why you've sweat through to your mattress is because of excess water, yada, yada, yada. I just knew within myself that I was deeply unwell. And then one night, I think it was the fourth night or fifth night, I decided to rock my daughter to sleep. And I had an argument with Bode about it because he was going to do the night shift. And I was like, nah, you just go. We literally argued. I was like, you go to sleep. I am putting her to sleep that night. We both fell asleep. And then what woke me up was the scent of what could only be described as a rotting pig. Long story short, it was me. So what had happened as she'd fallen asleep, her little baby body had gone down to my tummy and had burst the infected sac that was laying underneath my C-section scar. Lo and behold, blue lit back to hospital, emergency surgery, six weeks in, a, in intensive care. Yada, yada. But for me, that is literally a life or death kind of decision because I was literally at death's door. By the time they'd got me back to hospital, like surgeons were just waiting because sepsis takes hold so quickly. And so for me, that's like such an an emotional reminder of how I am always right. And I don't mean that in that cocky way, but I... I am always right. Yeah. Mm. Especially in that vulnerable position where you've just had a child and as a, as a new mum, which is always, you know, what you're told by the hospital, you're, you're doubting like they're saying, oh, no, no, it's just because you're just, it's your first child. What do they know? And you're like, I know. I know. I know. Having to advocate for myself in that moment. But also I think that's a pivotal moment for me because that's also the roots of I'm not your baby mother. That that context, that that labour of love quite literally wouldn't exist if not for that traumatic experience. Yeah, amazing. Thank you for, for sharing that. Yeah. Candice, this has been <laughs> this has been everything I wanted and more. <laughs> Truly. You know, I hope everyone who listened is okay because I know I can just be like, 
No, and about la 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 la. You're never. I sit and watch you on Instagram, and I'm like, the articulation of every single word just hits, and you'll pause, and then you'll cut, and I'm like, how does she just flow like that? How do you just flow? About la 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 la. There's no la 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 about you. It's just point on point on point on point on point. So my goodness, thank you so much. I know that people are just going to love this and love you. And I am so glad that you just took the decision to be absolutely 100% you because you're phenomenal. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) And thank you for being a guiding light. I say all the time, like, I I couldn't be where I am in certain elements of my life without people like you and other Peloton trainers. And I know it might just feel like you're talking to no one sometimes, but there are very much other people. I'm going to get emotional. I get so emotional. There are very much other people on the other side of that journey who are who are very dependent on you guys saying that. Oh, my darling, honestly, thank you so much. And I have to say, do you know what? It doesn't feel like no one on the other side of the screen. It it really, really doesn't. And I think that there's something about that community where you do feel, because I didn't know, I nearly didn't take the job, right? I was like, I'm a hands-on trainer. I like to see the person in front of me. I was very much behind the scenes. I was like, what you want? nine cameras in my face and for me to like be like hi guys you know and it was my husband that who said you know just just go and just see just see what it's like and I honestly didn't know what it was going to be like but there is a level of connection that you just can't put your finger on and it's often very cathartic or healing for me sometimes just to to teach or to or to coach like I had a moment last I think it was a week before last I did the color purple run I choked up in the middle of it. And then when the camera went off and I had members in the room, I just turned around and I just had a little moment. And I was like, I never would have imagined five years ago that exercise would have that. Im- Do you know what I mean? It's just like a, so I feel a very blessed, but, um, but know that for us, it, it, it is, it is as much connection, if not more, even though we're camera side. So, so thank you for your words. And you're amazing. (laughs) We love her. She loves her. She loves her. No, thank you for having me. This has been awesome. You are a star. (laughs) 